Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. My prayer for you this month is that more of the awareness of His Spirit becomes more of your awareness. His Spirit is so vital, isn't it? And the awareness of His Spirit is vital, right? Otherwise, we would just find some random thing to be aware of. Has anyone, I've heard of a couple of encounters a couple of people have had. Was it just yesterday the first? How many had an encounter with Jesus Papa or the Holy Spirit yesterday or today. Most everybody. Awesome. Shudi said she woke up this morning with two words, American paddle. And I know what that means, and so it'll be a fun. We could just title this message, The American Paddle. But she'll know what it means by the time we're through, right? So the Holy Spirit gave me two questions to ask you today. Um, What are you most aware of? You know, I was up in the middle of the night and I was aware of some not so Jesus-like thoughts. Have you ever had those in the middle of the night? It's a bummer time to have them, isn't it? Why is everything so magnified at night? I mean, even the size of my entire body is magnified at night. Has anybody ever had that? No? Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, our little pup, she's um, she's a drama queen, and so she, you know, had a little encounter herself the other day with a bigger dog, Pam's dog. And she has milked that thing. Every day, she's in the slow motion crawl, except for just there's moments where she's not. So then you're like, the vet actually called her a drama queen, so we know she is. And she just met her, you know. They're not friends or anything. And so, are you a drama queen? Are you more aware? Are you more aware of... Are you more aware of you and you you thing, you know, you dang thing, than you are what God could possibly be saying through it? And, you know, my job as a trainer of leaders, because, you know, I'm not a trainer of orphans. And so if you're hearing my voice today, then God counted you a leader today. And you need to be challenged. I'm an insider of truth. I've lived, my mom said, I came out of the womb with truth on my lips. I was prophesied that I would come out of the womb with truth on my lips, and I did. And I've been saying truth my whole life, and some people like it and some people don't. But I want to give you some truth today, okay? So what are you most aware of in what... what things captivate your mind the most? You know, I, um, I've been living in the prophetic my entire life. You know, I'm almost 60 years old. 
And um, Pam and I have actually known each other for 30 years this month, October. And we, we've, rest, my, we've wrestled around with our, those anointings of ours until we got in our spots, you know. When, you, when God hooks you up in covenant relationships, right, people don't like it. They don't like it. They want to call you all kinds of stuff, but you're just you just made a covenant before God that you said you're gonna you're gonna live with your anointings connected. And you know, that's the that's really the ecclesia. That's what Acts four, Acts three, four, five, whatever, Acts, those people that were doing Acts. That's what they did. They said there were no needs among them. And how did that happen? Because they combined their anointings together, just like anything that you yoke together. It says, how can two agree unless they walk? How can two walk together unless they agree? Something, you know, it works out. Agreement. It doesn't mean, agreement doesn't mean that you get your way. In fact, you don't ever get your way when you agree with someone else. Because both people are giving up their way. That's why we want to do Yahweh's way, right? And yielding is hard when you have to have your own way. But the Holy Spirit put you here on the planet for an assignment that was not your own. You don't get to make it up. You don't get to alter it. You don't get to come up with another plan. You don't get to tell him that salvation isn't enough. You don't get to do anything if you're going to do his assignment. But the beauty of doing his assignment is that it comes with all favor, blessing, and honor, and anointing. Provision. I can go on and on. The whole list. It is everything you need to live and have life. Now, that's a good plan to me. My mom, when I was little... Um, she used to tell me God doesn't have rules. He has a plan. And I just believed her. I'm a truth teller. So I said, I believe that to be true. I'll just take that on. It's a plan. So then I spent the rest of my life from when I was little on to discover his plan. And guess where his plan is? It's not in this little book right here, but it's in the book. The word of God is the plan for your life. If you don't know it, you're not going to be able to live by it. If you just visit it when you're you know, in trouble, then it's the words you're going to find scriptures about being in trouble, and then you'll be afraid to be in trouble. American paddle. Let's turn to Ezekiel 47. Look at that. I've got seven text messages just while I'm in up here from Christy and Pam. They're all, they're all texting me. Just kidding. I'm sorry, girls. I missed y'all's text during that moment I was having with the Holy Spirit. Um, Ezekiel, are you there? 47. Did I tell you 47? I'm going to read it from the Amplified, which is really my favorite version, although you know how much I love the passion, but there's not a passion yet in Ezekiel. So, Ezekiel 47.1. The title of this chapter is Water from the Temple. Let me help you a little bit. You're the temple. Yes. So this is a metaphor. How many in here, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many in here realize that you're put on the planet to interpret parables, metaphors, enigma, enigmas, mysteries of God? That's the only reason you're here. And God hides it from you. <laughs> I love that about him. You know why? Because the person that searches it out grows in hunger. The person that just wants the answer sends you a text and says, hey, I, I get this almost weekly. 
This is why I'm making fun of you a little. Can I make fun of y'all a little bit? Oh, some of y'all looked a little wimpy right there when I asked you that question. You kind of went, don't make fun of me. Some of you don't ask at all because you know I'm going to make fun of you. And the rest of you, (laughs) hey, I thought about this and I thought about you. What do you think it means? You know, y'all probably won't respond to that. Why? Because I want you to search out a matter. I'm telling you, it's in the heart. It's in your heart. Are you a king? Are you a queen? Are you? Are you? Are you an orphan? Which are you? It's in you. You desire to search it out. And see, as you search it out, you actually learn things. And as you learn things, then you don't live it with such fear, such lack of courage. Right? Because that's he, he, it says he's not hard to find. So remember, I think Bill Johnson told that story. You know how much I love him. And I quote him almost daily. Um, about the Easter egg, Easter egg hunt, Easter egg, I'm kind of trying not to speak in tongues at the same time, Easter egg hunt. And remember he said he had the one grandchild that he would just see the colored egg and he'd throw that thing down and he would just shake the egg for money. Remember? That's the kind, that's how God wants you to be. Seek out what has value for your life. And get more of it. Can you do that? So my guide, this is what it says. In uh, in, uh, the voice, it says a man whose appearance was like bronze. I'm a little mad at the voice because I hated on dreams the other day, so I'm not reading from there. (laughs) The the guide. Come on, I'm trying to be cheery. The guide, because I'm making fun of you a little bit. The guide brought me back to the door of the house, the temple of the Lord, and behold... Water was flowing from under the threshold. The name of my message today is that he only flows in the lowest of places. You know, there's nothing lower than the bottom of the door, right? And below that is the thing that holds the door on that is the cross between. If you've ever installed a door, which I've installed many doors being in construction for 30 years, the thing underneath the door is on the bottom of the door is called a threshold. And Underneath the threshold in construction, if you don't put something under there, Pam likes to use great stuff because you know what great stuff does. Starts out as a tiny little line. You come back the next day and it has grown into the living room. (laughs) I have a story about the first time I ever used great stuff, but we don't have time for that right now. But when we came back the next day, let me just tell you, we had to do some trimming is all I know. (laughs) And so there was water flowing Under the threshold of the house, the temple towards the east, for the front of the temple was facing the east. The water was flowing down from under the right side of the house and from the south of the altar. And then he brought me out by way of the north gate, and he led me around the outside of the outer gate by the way of the gate that faces east. What's happening here? He's getting a tour. Have you ever been on a tour of heaven? Have you ever been on a tour of your life? Have you ever been on a tour of your temple? Take time out today to tour the temple of you. Hmm. It says, and behold, water was spurting out from underneath the south side of the gate. When the man went out toward the east with a measuring line in his hand, He measured a thousand cubics. 
and he led me through the water, water that was ankle deep. And again, he measured a thousand cubics and led me through the water, and the water was knee deep. And again, he measured a thousand cubics and he led me through the water, water reaching the hips. And again, he measured a thousand cubics and it was a river that no one, that I could not pass through for the water had risen, enough water to swim in, a river that could not be crossed by waiting. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me back to the bank of the river. And when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and on the other. And then he said to me, these waters go out toward the eastern region and go down into the Arabab Jordan Valley. And they, then they go towards the sea, being made to flow into the sea, the waters of the Dead Sea shall be healed and become fresh. And it will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live. And there will be a great number of fish because these waters will go there so the waters of the sea are healed and become fresh. So everything will live wherever the river goes. Now, I am still talking to the laid down lovers today. You know, the I consider myself a pretty deep person. I would much rather talk about the next thing on God's heart than I would the weather, as you know. And this is a pretty deep metaphor today and I think there will be some that don't get it and it's okay because I just have to release this to those who know their place in the kingdom this this is a great example of what God is trying to train us to do as a prophetic voice on the planet is that he wants to give us a story that if you're not careful you would, you would take the natural mind and you would interpret it in natural ways and it would be good. But there's a much deeper meaning and, and I believe that this metaphor today is what is going to be the foundation of this month of awareness. So when you have a dream or when you have a vision... I believe that it's a multifaceted training tool, but I also believe that it's for a specific reason. I believe highly, <laughs> highly in dreams. I personally do not believe that a child, spirit-filled, loving God, serving God, I don't personally believe, I know that some other people don't believe this way, but I don't personally believe that the enemy can infiltrate your sleep. And you don't have to believe this, but I know some of y'all want to believe me. <laughs> but I believe that every dream is from the Holy Spirit when you're born again, especially when you're spirit-filled. Now, I believe that you can open the door. I don't have time to preach on that. 
to all kinds of influences. And so, but I believe that if you become trained enough that you can actually, I, I look at it as a transcription from heaven. You know, when I was a little taught, I don't know if you know what this means, but in high school, shocking, they had a class called shorthand. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And they acted like that we needed to sit before a king and he would bark out a memo, a memorandum is what we called them. And then you would write as fast as you could in shorthand. Weirdly, my mom and aunt were prolific at it. And so they thought everybody needed to know that. But, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be sitting before no guy and he dictating no memo to me. So, <laughs> right? So anyway, I'm, you sit down. Like, oh. Yeah. Anyway, so, so, so. That's sort of what's going on is that heaven has a language and you're not born on the planet knowing it. And so then your job as a resident, as a kingdom resident on earth is to learn the language of heaven and interpret, interpret what the divine Trinity is saying on the earth for today. It's just a simple way to say it. That's what we're supposed to do. Because why? We're supposed to make earth look like heaven. Not my will, but your will be done, right? And so every place we're not doing that, we're living as orphans on a, in a place we're, we're meant to transform. And it's challenging. And this is a metaphor of the challenge. So when he invites you out to sea, it's just ankle deep, baby. Okay, we can we can run in that thing. It's just ankle deep. Have you been to the ocean before? Have you been to a really powerful ocean? Right? Ankle deep's nothing. In fact, here it comes up and you're kind of glad to get, let it touch you, aren't you? <laughs> Remember that first day you get to the beach, you know? Do you love the beach? Oh, it just, it just feels good. Well, by about day seven in Cancun, when you've been out, they're in the deep, and it takes a lot. There's a lot of pull in Cancun. When you get out about waist deep, you cannot stand up. And see, this is a metaphor of spiritual growth in the supernatural. Listen, I've been doing this a long time, and I'm in. this is the season I'm in. He doesn't even tell me what I'm going to say before I get up here. It's really uncomfortable for me. I'm a planner. I want to have... 55 pages of notes and just get up here and go select which one I want. That would be my natural way. But that is not the way that he flows through me. That may be what you do. I don't know. Maybe he lets you get notes. I can be jelly when you come up here. But I don't have all this written down that I'm saying. I would be much more comfortable. I didn't even know what this meant until she said I woke up with American Paddle. And then I knew. I read this chapter all day yesterday. What is it? <laughs> I didn't get to sleep good because I was still going, what is it? But I can see it. It's just plain as day to me right now. That, that when he draws us, he keeps, he keeps taking us on a tour of what it could be like. 
You know, one of the things that I had to get over is what the Spirit looks like on people. There's a lot of times people judge people for how the Spirit moves on people. What do you think the Holy Spirit's feeling when that happens? When you're watching the Sarahs and they're flopping around up here and you're judging them, what do you think the Holy Spirit feels? You know, they spent two years with me with signs all over the house that said, it's not you. Two years, I put signs all over the house because every day they woke up, they felt something in their spirit, they thought it was them. And so I just kept sticking more signs up on the house until they learned all that that you're feeling is not about you. It is not about you. It is not about you. It is not you. It is not you. It is not you. And why does he need to break through in our intellect for how he wants to move on us, how he wants to use us, how he wants to flow? Only the laid down lover gets it because they are the ones underneath the threshold. And guess what? You don't have to. You'll get to go to heaven even. But see, when you lay down your life, you really lay down your life. You're not your own. You don't get to have all the comforts of living in the natural. See, our Adam nature loves the comfort of knowing. You, you, you do understand that's what, what, how Lou was able to convince him in the garden. Are you, are you sure you know what he said? Are you sure he said it that way? Isn't there a loophole? I've licked my finger twice already. Isn't there a loophole? Isn't there a loophole? There's a loophole. And then there a loophole? And guess what? The same thing he tempted them, he did it to Jesus in the wilderness. Just look at the two responses. If you have time to go search out a matter, anybody a king this week? Go search out a matter. What's the, two re- what's the responses from Adam and Eve and the responses from Jesus? Jesus became the second final Adam to show us the response to the enemy. It would behoove us to look in here and see how Jesus responded. How did Adam and Eve respond? Well, maybe, I don't, do you remember what God, well, heck yeah, let's just eat that thing. It's not about something being poisonous. It's about disobedience. And Jesus demonstrated how not to wrestle with the devil. Listen, I don't wrestle with the devil. Jesus showed us. It's just he's it's always just three areas. I can I can just tell you, I've been here doing this a long time. The enemy he hadn't even picked anything new in all these years. I know my three areas. The enemy's is always right there. Are you sure? Benny died. You're probably going to die the same thing. Somebody else lost their house. You're probably, you, just, you just bit off more than you can chew. People are going to think that you're just all prideful and you think you deserve that house. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It never ends. I, you're never going to get to the place where the enemy doesn't talk to you that way. You're never going to get so spiritually mature that the enemy doesn't speak. It's just, is your ear underwater or not? Because there's an American paddle you can get. And you can paddle out to the deep. 
or you can just be taken under. You know, Shudi's first song basically she wrote was going under. The name of it was Under. It feels like you can't breathe out in the revelation. See, the water represents the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is flowing to the lowest place. And He doesn't stop flowing. The interesting part about this metaphor is that the further the water got went, the, the deeper it got. In the natural, the further it gets away from the source, the more narrow it gets. But not in this. This means that the flow only starts at the lowest place, but as it keeps flowing, it keeps building and building and building and building. And he just took him on a tour of what he could have, and that's all I'm doing today. I'm just saying here's a tour of what you can have in your life. All the laid-down lovers know because we're experiencing the flow of more revelation, more quote-unquote puzzle pieces, more direction than we have even time to do. Why? Because the abundance of the Holy Spirit is looking for an, a vessel to just pour out on. Did you say, do you have time for me today? Because I have a message today. You know, Jesus, COVID, came over and fixed our plumbing yesterday. And we have hot water now. That's why I smell so sparkly clean today. And his little boy was with him. He wasn't even going to come because he couldn't get a babysitter. And I knew as soon as Pam texted me and said, he's not coming at 8.30, he's going to come at one thirty because his babysitter didn't show up. I thought, no, he's going to bring that boy. And I told her, tell him we'll babysit. Why? I just wanted him to be in the presence. Now, not, there wasn't no big song and dance that happened. It was just, we were just being us because we're one life. We're the same at home as we are up here. Just come on over, Jesus, COVID. That's what he said his name was. I'm just quoting his name. What did y'all decide COVID meant? Somebody said crown or love. Yeah, so it's one of those. Anyway, and so I want to invite people to be in the presence of the presence giver. And I have to know whether or not I'm a carrier of his presence. I have the right to be. All who are called sons and daughters, we have lots of rights. Do you understand? We're not even expressing all of our rights. We're not even taking it to the limit. We're not even stepping out and pushing the envelope beyond what we're comfortable because we're not for sure. But the rights are there. The abundance is available. The bank account is chocked full, full of everything I could ever need. And so he keeps, I love this metaphor because see, he could have just thought, wow, we're going to have some good fishing next spring. That's a natural interpretation. Wow, all the trees are going to have a lot of fruit this next year. If we'd have had that dream, would we have done that? Right? But no, he was talking about the impact of a laid down lever on the planet. Everywhere the river flows, it's healed. You're the river. Everywhere, listen to me today, everywhere the river flows, you are the river. Out of your belly will flow. 
what? Rivers of what? Living. How? Because we're in the water of living water. We're in the water that heals. So I'm healed. Everywhere I go is healed. I'm meant to carry that kind of weightiness of his presence. I'm meant to. I'm meant to make that the priority of my life. Nothing else matters. And every single thing counts. And I get to choose. He's like, you can choose. You can be ankle deep. You can be like, yeah, that feels good. Because you know what? You start getting up to waist deep. It's a little bit, it's a little bit scary. You start, look, you start measuring how far the shore is. But there's this place, and I've been there in the natural and in the supernatural. There's a place in Cancun. As you know, I love Cancun. There's a place in Cancun when you get so far away from the shore. It's out there where the buoy is, where they said, don't go past this mark. You can't even tell the water's moving. Now you tear up your raft getting out there. <laughs> By the time you get out there, you just got a shredded piece of plastic. You're dragging around. But you just want to stay out there for hours. You can lay on your back. You can lay any way you want. Because why? You can't tell you're in the water anymore. And that's the way it is in the supernatural. See, I, I propose that I live in a place where the enemy is just a punk to me. When he comes and he spews all his lies on me, on you, I can tell by your faces whether you're believing. I can tell when Tessa walks in the room on Sunday whether she's what I call under it or not. Under it, meaning that she's being punked. I can tell with Cece in her eyes. She's real tired this morning, I can tell. Or what, what time? This afternoon. And see why? Because our countenance reveals what's going on in our hearts. And when the enemy is punking us and we're battling and we're underneath these lies, we're in that in between state. We're hungering to be pulled out. And we see people that live out there and we're like, how'd you get out there? <laughs> and when we tell them, well, it's a little rough going. <laughs> you know, when I went to the doctor the other day, she's like, I was like, hey, this little spot on my leg that you so generously scraped off and burned last year. It's a little itchy. She says, I can fix that. She gets out, you know, one of those needles, and I, it feels like, you know, I don't like the doctor anyway. It feels like it's about this long, and she just starts, she goes, it'll be a little poke, and then she starts poking a lot. I mean, like, and I'm like, I'm like, mm-mm, and it is not doing good, and I wait till I just, I'm sure I'm red in the face, and she, and I said, well, you didn't tell me how bad it was. Or she goes, why would I tell you? See, my story is not your story. I can live a life in the supernatural and say, please come out here with me. I cannot do this on my own. I won't be able to do this on my own. There is so, it is so exciting out here. The, the Holy Spirit tells you everything. He does nothing on the earth until he tells his prophets first. I'm inviting you to a place, but you can't take your big old fat soul out there. <laughs> It's like a weight, man. You will sink. 
So stay, please stay in the shallow, please. Just sit down for a minute and see if you're buoyant or not. There's just some things that can't go. The road is, that's what he was talking about. This narrow road is the, nar- is the r- narrow road of walking in the supernatural. It's so narrow because I don't know anything myself. I live my entire life not knowing what I'm doing, where I'm going, and I have to be okay with it. See, some of us, and this happened to me yesterday too, we like to say with our mouth what we want. Oh, so-and-so feels this way about me, or this is going to happen for me, and this, this is going to happen. And we're saying all these things with our mouth that we don't even believe with our heart. Or we do that other thing where we complain about something and hope somebody, my gosh, my life is so hard, hoping. Now, if you tell me that, do you know what I'm going to say to you? What do you want me to do about that? I can do nothing about that. Your mouth, your mouth is getting your, your, your saying what your experience is getting. Begin to say at least something else with this. That's why you have to know the word because the word tells you what you have permission to say and have. And just like the Holy Spirit hovered over the chaos and said, let it be, you're hovering over the chaos of how you feel. And you're getting tomorrow what you said today. The one thing you can guarantee on this earth, seed time and harvest comes. You know, we were watching the Lord of the Rings. Did I mention how much I love the Lord of the Rings? Ring of, rings of Power. Okay, so the last one came out Friday, so we watched it last night. And so it's really cool because the elf, have, have you all, all seen it? Okay, I'm going to read. Uh, this is spoiler. spoiler. Spoiler alert. Just close your ears. So the elf, Cece was like, we need. She woke up at 4 o'clock this morning. She said, we need more of him. I said, she goes, this is cute. She said, but I know it's just a distraction. I said, I think it's not. I said, tell me what the things are that he was. And that's what she told me. He was powerful. He was passionate. He was a planner. He was purposeful. And he was a planter. See, I didn't give it all away. And see, in that moment, it's just a metaphor. It's another metaphor. We were driving down the road and a turtle was trying to cross the road. Another metaphor. They're all around. Aaron almost hit a police officer, pedestrian the other day. It's a metaphor. See, if I can turn aside to see that the bush is not burning, but if the bush doesn't burn and I never even see it, I never get the chance to encounter that he's here. He uses the natural things. Do you understand when you're out in the wilderness, how often there's a burning tumbleweed? All the time. What made Moses stand out was he had it. Why he had an encounter was because he realized it wasn't being consumed, not that it was burning. And see, that's happening to you every day where you go. There are tumbleweeds that are burning. There are commonalities in your line of work. There are commonalities at home. And he's saying, hey, I'm speaking through that, but you keep missing it. If you're going to have an encounter, you're going to have to take time to turn aside and see. You can't have your whole life planned out. You can't just be saying with your mouth all kinds of stuff that you want that don't have anything to do with God. 
God's not going to come down and go, oh, well, I'm so glad you told me what to do today. He's not. We have so much power without him. Just think what we could do when we invest in power with him. I love so much just the metaphor of water, don't you? I just had a couple more scriptures I wanted to say to you. In Isaiah 44, it says, Now listen to me, my servant Jacob. Remember, we just talked about him last week, right? Israel, my chosen one. I'm Yahweh, your creator, who shaped you in my womb. I love the passion because he says this. There's no Bible verse that says that God is our mother, but there's a frequent metaphor that implies that God gave us birth. He also nurtured us in his love and he even formed us in his womb. The love God has for us is similar to a mother's love. The Hebrew concept of compassion carries with it this thought. It's the same word for womb. God has a womb love for each of us. This thought resurfaces more than once and all throughout Isaiah. So he says this, hear what I'm saying to you. Don't fear. This is a mother's love. You know, when you go through sozo training, you learn that there's father injuries. You learn that the, that the father uh, ladder, you learn about the father ladder, but you learn about being restored to the father. You also learn about the Holy Spirit operating as a mother row. You also learn about Jesus operating as a friend row. And so the, the divine trio has a part in our healing as well a part in our empowering. And he says, don't fear. Don't fear my pleasing one. Don't fear, O Jacob, my servant. Don't you love that? Don't fe fear not is the most common statement of God. Why? Because it goes against what he is. He's love, so he has no capacity to partner with fear. When I partner with fear, I'm partnering with the demonic. It doesn't matter how it got wrapped up. See, as a child, it gets wrapped up into intellectual wisdom. Fear can masquerade as wisdom. It is not wisdom. You make any decision out of fear, it is not wisdom. And this is what he said, verse 3. I will pour refreshing water on the thirsty and streams right out on the dry ground. Isn't that great? These are two great metaphors. One is... There's some dry ground you're standing on and you need a refreshing and so he'll just plop some water down there. And there's the other in Ezekiel where there's a whole rushing, mighty amount of water. Now, if you think about it, I like in, I believe it's in Ephesians, um, it talks about, Ephesians 5.26, the second part, it says that he's cleansed us by the washing of the water of the word. So that tells me something. The blood cleanses, right? But the water washes. The water of the word washes. So that means there's something different in me that needs both things. Are you with me? I think it was um, a no guy. Can't remember his name. He said that we're cleansed by the blood. But he said that we are cleansed with the washing of the water by the word. There are things that will be cleansed things in our minds, things that deal with conduct, things that have to do with character and attitude. 
So let, let's just say it in this more simple way because I think I'm losing y'all. The blood cleanses us from sin. The water of the word cleanses our conduct, cleanses our behavior, cleanses our attitude, cleanses our mind. Do you see the difference? You need both. To, to walk out into these encounters, my mind has to be changed. On Is that bush just burning? Is that turtle just walking across the street? What's an American paddle have to do with anything today? See, metaphors are meant to be searched out. And that, that's where you'll find the encounter. If you haven't had an encounter... Just go search out the last thing you were thinking about, about God. We just want to go, okay, give it to me. I'm waiting. 30 seconds, how how long is this thing going to take? Come on, we're not good waiters. We want the drive-through. Ezekiel wasn't talking about a drive-through. Ezekiel said, you're so far, baby, from the shore. You broke your little thing. Get, you broke your American paddle getting out here. What am I comparing it to? The American way. It's fast food. Fast encounters. Hurry up. Give me what I want. Hurry up. This service is too long. Let's get out of here. I'm hungry. What are we doing over here? No, we're, we're just giving room for the Holy Spirit. I just feel like all, all week long we do whatever the heck we want to. And in service, I'm going to let him have his way. I don't care if it's five minutes or five hours. Why? Because he has a voice. He has things to say. I don't know what you need. He knows what you need. I don't know if it's going to be in the five-minute mark or the five-hour mark. I don't determine any of that. I just wait until he says go. Our minds, our conduct, our character, our attitude. This is another attribute of the water. Now, see, I love metaphors. I didn't used to be able to interpret dreams with a lick because I was a black and white thinker. I had to completely completely let God move me to the gray. That's where all the parables and metaphors are interpreted in the gray. That's why black and white thinking is so hard to get over. Right? Come on, my black and white thinkers. It's so hard to get over because we want things to be spelled out for us. We want it to be able to count on it. We want a system that says, this is the way it's going to be. This is how he's going to speak. If the bush didn't burn for Moses, then it's going to mean the same thing for me. And it may not. It may just be a bush that's burning up. He's not a formula kind of guy. He has rules, plans. Ways, but just as sure as you think, I know how to get out to the deep. I got another Cancun analogy for you. I will, I will set up on the balcony and find the. I'm going to traverse down, and I've got my marker because it looks like right there is a swell. Won't be so hard. By the time I get down there and out there, that thing has moved on down the current, and I go right out where I thought it was going to be easy, and it's just the same. Listen, just because he's inviting us to something doesn't mean every single thing about it is going to be for your comfort. Do you want more of him? Or do you want comfort? That's the real question. Come on, Mendel.
slight delay there. Awesome, awesome word. Well, aren't you thankful that we are not orphans in the process of trying to find our way to the deep? That's why I said you won't enter the kingdom unless you become like a little child. I'm going to propose you're not going to enter the deep and the supernatural in this life unless you become like a little child. That's We have to have eyes like children. And we have to be able to be led by parents, by the Godhead. And Tisa already mentioned the reference to, you know, the, the Father Ladder and the Holy Spirit as mother and Jesus as friend. And, um, you know, I love one of the things about the Holy Spirit and about the supernatural is that our English language, really any earthly language, cannot accurately describe these concepts. <laughs> it's like, I mean, for somebody who loves words and loves to write, I'm constantly like, this falls so short. You know, these words fall so short. But, um, but they are they're enough to create a concept, right? And so I don't like to put the Holy Spirit in a box and say, well, you know, Father God is always this role and the Holy Spirit is always in this role. You can't do that. It never works that way. My mind wants to sometimes, and I'm like, oh, right, I'm not supposed to have to figure that out. I'm not supposed to try that. So um, in my personal journey, and I've tried to make a, a commitment to be really vulnerable with you guys so that you can have just another example before you of somebody walking this out in a personal, in their personal journey. And um, I had this, inc had this incredible encounter with him yesterday, and I wanted to share it with you. And it has to do with the struggle of be returning to be childlike and, and being parented. Because when you return to childlikeness, you will inevitably encounter the need for parenting. But those that need for parenting can feel like pressure. It can feel like a hard moment. It can feel like a struggle, a trial, a trigger, any of those things, right? And so what I find is that no matter how far along you are on your journey, it's in that moment of a trigger, of pressure, of something hard that we've got to get low. We've got to decide not to take matters into our own hands and step out of childlikeness and remain in a, a, a parentable, parentable position, right? And so, and we've, like Tisa said, we've been moving and all sorts of stuff been, has been going on. So it's been really good, but there's been pressure. There's lots of change. There's sleeplessness, you know, there's achy backs and lots of things to move, a lot of stuff that needs to be done. And so I, this all created pressure within me. It created a feeling in me that triggers me. It pushes me right up to that point of wanting to take matters into my own hands. And for me, what that may look like is either... I don't know, getting frustrated about the chaos. Well, I'll just get mad at the chaos and that will keep me in a position of feeling stronger so I don't feel like I'm going to be overwhelmed by it. You know, it, it's just ways we've learned to kind of manipulate our own soul when we were growing up or maybe we were trained. This is how you respond to, to get through this moment, to get through this, this type of thing. And so, so I, I was... I was experiencing a lot of this, right? And I'm just like, every time this happens, which is all the time, you know, it happens all the time in various levels because you just get to practice over and over. I, I know, like in my knower, in my mind, I know, Papa, God, I know that you are my father. I know that you are taking care of me. I know that you're my protector, but I don't feel like it right now. 
I always come up to that moment where my feelings don't light up with what I know. And so I, I start to cry out to him to, to feel in line in alignment with what I know about him. And so this first part, I've got two parts I'm going to read to you. This first part was the beginning of my day yesterday, and I, I had been really just in this intimate time with him and crying out to him, and I was telling him, I don't want to live like this orphan anymore. I don't want to feel like an orphan. I know I'm not an orphan, but I feel like an orphan a lot of times, you know. And so I started writing to him, and I said, Papa, I don't want to live as an orphan any longer. I don't want to live feeling alone or abandoned without covering I don't want to live one more day feeling this way, feeling as if the weight of my safety is on my shoulders alone, as if my vulnerability is mine alone to protect, feeling afraid of being exposed, afraid of being known, afraid for my heart to flow freely, afraid to drop my guard, to let down my defenses, to rest in completeness. Why are they still there? The guards I placed around my heart before I knew you, why are they still there? Why do they still take charge, sectioning me off from the fullness of breath that you give me? Why do they still shut me down, hold me back, tell me to keep my mouth shut? Why is true rest and true peace seemingly so threatening? Who caused this scarring, this hardening, this fear of peace? Why does my heart within so desperately seek the fullness of this peace if it is truly so threatening? And Papa said, daughter, son, my sweet delight, there is a state of mind, a condition of heart I'm calling you to. I'm pulling you back into the deep of what was left behind. I'm pulling you back to the child of my design. I've lit a fire in this place that makes all else simply fade away. No satisfaction will be found apart from this. I've removed your ability to be fine without it. I'm uprooting what satisfied your hunger in years past. I've pulled the plug on its virtual reality in order to woo you back to my side. There was a day when you looked up at me with your childlike gaze throughout the whole day. There was a time when you simply couldn't leave my side. There was a season when you leaned into my fathering without need for the leading of reasoning. There was a time when you were simply my little girl dressed in white, delighted with everything that you saw by my side. I'm calling you back to me. I'm stirring your heart to need more of me. I'm uncurling the winding that's kept you away, dismantling the ropes that have pulled on your sails. Your heart was never meant to be moved by the agendas of man. Your sails were meant only to respond to the winds of heaven released on my command. So I will unwind the indoctrination of your heart and mind. I will set your heart right, placing it once again in my daughter of delight. Yes, you've always been my daughter of delight, delighting in the smallest of things. You found delight in all that I made. You saw the beauty 
and wonder how, how, of how birds take flight and how the inchworm makes its way still through the night. Big and small, you saw the wonder in it all. I've made a way for you to return to your childlike gaze. I've made a way for you to return to your childlike ways. Trust me with this leading. Trust me with the newness you see as walls begin to fall. You will no longer be held back by their restraints. You will no longer be held captive by their iron gates. Your rest, your rest is found in the wonder of delight. Your peace is found in this surrender to what catches your eye. When you turn aside to see the mystery of my making, the wonder that's unfolding, yes, that's where I'm moving. Those are the moments of divine sightings where heaven is touching earth and I am stirring, impressing, inviting. So I felt like this was a, a great confirmation to what we were invited to do by the leadership here when Tisa asked us to increase our awareness, especially in this month of October, to be aware. And he's the Holy Spirit, Papa, is actually saying that it's in those moments that we actually have our needs met. Our soul's needs will be met. The need for rest, the need for peace, the need to feel complete are in the moments of connecting with him and your awareness of the things that your eye is drawn to. We are, all of our adult training tells us to not be distracted by that little thing that's happening. You know, stay focused, get the task done. Stay focused, don't be distracted. But there's a Holy Spirit way to be led and to see the things that might we might otherwise call distractions, to connect with him, to learn how to partner with him, to learn how to see him and receive from him in those moments. So I just wanted to share this word because it is so timely with what Tisa's invited us into and it's on the Father's heart to restore us. No matter your personality, I know we all have different makeups and all of that, and some of us maybe are more naturally more childlike or bride-like than others. Some of us are more battle-ready, but everybody is called to enter the kingdom of heaven as a child. There's an aspect of childlikeness in all of us. Every single human being, child on this earth, has this eye, this eye for wonder, this eye for delight to just look at things. They cling to their parents. They lean into their parents so they can continue looking at that thing that is odd to them, that is mysterious to them. You know, they lean further into their parents. And that's what we're invited to do. Um, for the sake of time, I want to encourage you to just go and read Isaiah 54, uh, verses 1 through 6, especially in the Passion Translation. But I heard this during worship today, at the end of worship. He was saying, sing, O barren one, sing. And barrenness, you know, can mean any kind of lack, any kind of lack that we feel, lack of safety, lack of rest, whatever it is. And so um, go and read that. But at the end, it says, I, Yahweh, have invited you to come back. I'm inviting you to come back like a depressed and deserted wife, like a young wife who has experienced rejection. I am drawing you back to me. That's so full of promises in there. And it's a word for us right now in this time. Increase is coming. You will increase and spread out. Your sons and daughters will conquer nations and revitalize desolate cities. It's really hard not to read the whole thing. Do not fear for your shame is no more. Do not be embarrassed for you will not be disgraced. You will forget 
the inadequacy you felt in your youth and will no longer remember the shame of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. His name is Yahweh, commander of angel armies. The, your kinsman redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He has the title, mighty God of all the earth. For I, Yahweh, have invited you to come back, to come back. I am drawing you back to me, says Yahweh. So rejoice with singing in your barrenness. Rejoice, rejoice with what he's doing you in those moments. So good, right? Oh, he's such a good father. Oh, man. Such a good father. And I have, and everybody who knows me knows I I love Papa God, and I love being his daughter, and I love the, all the words he's given me and spoken to me as a father, his demonstrations of fatherhood. But he's invited me into this new experience lately, and I wanted to share it with you. And I had the sort of the first encounter with him on this in this way um, that he invited me to about a month ago. I just had it yesterday. So about a month ago, when we were having, I can't remember what was going on, but a time of ministry up here, and I heard the Holy Spirit tell me that one of the reasons why I can't seem to ever fully break through from some of the ways that I was raised in, some of things like, you know, just a critical perspective, lots of negativity, you know, you've, you've heard a lot of my story about the Jezebel spirit and the Antichrist spirit and just the way I was raised that you, we work so hard to try to have our minds renewed in those ways. And so the Holy Spirit told me this really interesting thing. And he said that one of the reasons why you break, you have difficulty breaking your partnership with those things is because that is the only experience you had with being mothered. And any child of mine needs a mother and a father. And so as a child, he told me, you need mothering. You need mothering, and that's the only form of mothering you've known. That's the only covering of a mother that you've known. So there's a part of you that doesn't want to let go of those words that you heard, those ways you were spoken to, those ways you were modeled, because it's a, the only form of motherhood you've known. And so he told me he was going to begin to mother me, that the Holy Spirit was going to begin to come as a mother to me and to reparent me from a mother's perspective so that I can have a new experience with him and be able to let go of the things that weren't true godly mothering and weren't healthy for me. So I had this incredible encounter with him yesterday where he came to me speaking to me from that perspective. And it started with listening to our worship from, was it just Wednesday? Um, All I See Is You? Last Sunday, last Sunday, All I See Is You. And so we were, we had this incredible, powerful time of worship and we were singing to him, you know, all I see is you, all I see is you, all I see is you. And I had this moment where the Holy Spirit flipped it on me and, and it was like the Godhead was saying, all I see is you, all I see is you. And it was so intense. I kind of had to make myself back down a little bit because I was going to lose it up here, you know, while we were singing. I was like, oh, that's too intense. So, <laughs> so I went back into, you know, listening to that and I like a true introvert. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, that's too much for right now. And this public display. So I'm listening to it in privacy, you know, in my AirPods, and he reminded me that that, that had happened, and, it, and so I allowed him to start speaking to me, and I, it was an incredible thing if you ever have had the Godhead 
try to say I'm single you out. You know, it's an intense thing to have the Trinity with all their eyes fixed on you and saying, like, all I see is you. All I see is you. And it's, wow, it's, it's incredible. And it's a, it's a very interesting and sometimes difficult position to be in. Um, so, um, he, he reminded me and told me that this was, that he was going to do that, that he was going to come as a mother to me. And he told me that, sorry, I gotta try to keep it together up here. He told me that one of the reasons, you know, I know him very well as father, but obviously, as I wrote previously, there's still those times I feel like an orphan. And so he's wanting to make my heavenly family unit more full is the best way to say it. He's wanted me to feel like I am, I'm owned, you know, like I belong to somebody. Like I belong to a whole family unit in heaven, to the whole Trinity. I belong to them just like I would earthly parents, you know. And so I heard the Holy Spirit start to speak to me and I'm just going to go in and read it over you, okay? And the Holy Spirit said, daughter, son, I have watched as your father has warred for you. I have watched as your father has moved mountains, stirred up seas, dug new wells, collapsed walls, shut the mouth of lions, turned your enemies' weapons to dust, and sent armies on your behalf. I have watched his display of divine fathering as he's wrapped his golden reins of love around you, protected you under the shelter of his mighty wing, pulled you close to hear his heartbeat. I have watched his majestic display of love move day after day, a display that would make it impossible for most to look away. But my gaze was captivated in its own way my heart pulled to a different display. You see, while he worked wonders for you, I watched your spirit within. Captivated, compelled, and drawn to this heart that was responding to love's new touch, this heart that had lost its color, beating a gray rhythm, this, this is what held my gaze. This heart of a daughter, faint for lack of color, barely recognizable as one of our own, barely knowing any hope of having its own home. This is what held my gaze. I saw you in your distress. I saw you when you felt lifeless. I saw you and sent my whisper. I saw you and covered you with my own breath. As you slept, I sat by your side, speaking words of life. You felt my touch, but you didn't see me. You felt my strength, but didn't know me. In your place of rest with defenses down, in the quiet of your mind's silence, I cried out on your behalf, releasing the cry of a mother, recognizing the desperate heart of her own daughter. My spirit hovered, my spirit hovered in defense of your own, releasing life, breathing hope, stirring a fight up in your bones. I cradled your spirit against my own. My daughter will live. Her spirit will rise. She will know who she is, and she will know she is mine. Yes, 
daughter of divinity, I have watched you with the adoration and attention of a mother. I have relished every small step, every new beginning. I have savored every triumph, every victory, every graduation moment, and I have run to be closer every time you stumbled. It was my voice you heard when you needed comfort, my song that consoled and eased you into the night, my touch that woke you and renewed hope to uphold you. You see, I have loved you with the unrelenting love of a mother, fiercely persistent, enduringly soft, enamored with every step you took. My passion, you see, is the spirit within. Of the external things, I'm blind. My obsession is what's on the inside. The rise and fall of your heart's cry. The depth and reach that your spirit seeks. The love, the hate. The joy, the grief. The hope, the defeat. The tide of every emotion. The life of your passion is the focus of my adoration. So, daughter of divinity, hear me now as I speak of a glowing pride. As I gaze on you with my every obsession, transparent before my eyes, I am filled with motherly pride to call you mine. Your spirit, your heart, the passion that you grant life, satisfies my every desire. You are beautiful in my eyes. You are beautiful in my sight. I see the spirit I called to life, and I beam with glowing pride. Antisa read Isaiah 44.1 earlier, where... It says, now listen to me, my servant Jacob, Israel, my chosen one. I am Yahweh, your creator, who shaped you in my womb. Hear what I have to say to you. Don't fear. I will help you. O Jacob, my servant, do not fear. My pleasing one, Israel. She already read the footnote there that, that speaks of the this reference to the womb of the creator that is a mothering aspect of God. There's a second footnote that says this, this word that for uh, my pleasing one, Israel, Jeshurun, I think, is a symbolic name for Israel, showing her unique, intimate relationship with God. That's what he's saying over us. It's taken from the root word, yashar, which means to please. Others translate this endearing term for Israel as upright one. I just want to propose to you that there's a fullness of parenting that he's releasing. There's been a season in the, in the spirit and in the church of this, this um, knowing God as father that has been absolutely wonderful and will only continue to increase. But there's another aspect of his mothering nature that he is bringing into our existence at this point in time also. And the Holy Spirit is wanting to say, if you know how pleased I am with you, if you know how pleased I am as a mother who so intricately watches 
their child. Mothers so intricately watch their children for every sign, every little flinch, every little aspect of what's going on inside them because their caring nature is so big, it's so enormous. They're focused on it to the point of it almost being like an obsession. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I am watching you like that. I am looking at you with that intensity. I see only you. All I see is you. I don't see a whole world and everything that needs to be done. I see you as the individual, as a person, as my daughter, as my son. I see you and I'm watching you intently, obsessed and caring about your inner world. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I see you on that level, and I am well pleased. I am so pleased. I am proud to call you mine. I am proud to have released a mother's love over you. I am proud to call you mine. And so, Holy Spirit, I just thank you for what you're doing, what you're releasing in the room, what you're releasing in the world right now. I thank you that you're, you're, you're banging on doors and you're bumping up against barricades of even the religious the religious spirit and our old training. You're breaking those things down because you want to come in like a mother to us. You want to come in as a mother and a father and a friend because you are the pure essence of love. And so there is no way to separate that out of you. So I thank you for bringing the fullness of who you are. I say yes and amen to this word. I say yes and amen to this message today, to our worship today, to all that was released prophetically, all that was released in the prophetic and the supernatural, in the spirit realm, to our healing, to our wholeness. And we say yes, because you are holy, we are whole. Because you are holy, we are whole. Because you are holy, we are whole. And we are loved wholly holy by the Godhead and the fullness of all that you are. So we thank you for this word. We, we say we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. What else can we say but we love you? We love you. We love you. We love you. Send a protective, a protection over this word today, over this encounter today, and all that you've released today. Protect it. Make it personal in us. Give us reminders. Make it practical. Make it just bombard its way into our everyday lives. Make us ever more aware of how proud you are of us and how much you delight in us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Warrior Team. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay